Thank you for listening. This is Getting to Know You, a podcast introducing Jewish Federation of the Desert CEO, Alan Potash to leaders, influencers, and people of interest in the Coachella Valley. I'm Jeff Hawker, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Alan Potash. Jeff, always a pleasant surprise to see you on a Friday afternoon when we do this every week. Yes, great to see you as well. So who have you brought today for me to talk to? Uh, Today's guest is Herman Samayoya. Hopefully I said that right. You said that correctly. Uh, He is the owner of Le Fay Wine Bar on El Paseo in Palm Desert. Well, welcome, Herman. It's interesting, your name is... Samyeya, and I, when you walked into the office, I said, sounds like Samyeye. <laughs> so is there a connection between your name and wine? There's not at all, but uh, <laughs> uh, Samyeye sounds good. I'm not a Samyeye, but, <laughs> but I drink enough wine to be one. <laughs> um, That's a tough process. Yeah, I just haven't had the time, but I I think I've learned a lot over the years, and um, I just, you know, haven't taken the test, but it's... Well, you get it, you know... It, when you go through that program, you have to learn a lot about all the regions around the world, the viticulture and the terrar of all these different regions as well. The soil and the, you know, how, what is the makeup of it? So we're, we're really excited to have you on the show today because you have a really depth of experience. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you. I, I have a thing for people who own restaurants and bars because it's probably the hardest work in the world <laughs> besides gardening. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I give you a lot of credit for having a restaurant. How long has your restaurant been around? So November 1st uh, was six years. That's Congratulations. Thank you. And where are you located? I'm in El Paseo in Palm Desert on the east side over near um, the post office on the opposite side of the street. So, yeah. how, how did you decide to open a restaurant on El Paseo and most of the um, other places, hip, I was going to say hip places, I don't know if that's true, I don't know if you're hip or not, uh, but uh, are in Palm Springs. How come you decided Palm Desert? Well, I've been, li- I'm in, been living in Palm Desert forever. Um, I kind of understand the business, and I've been in the restaurant business, I've been in a lot of sales. So I understand the market, and that's the reason I decided to do it. There was a wine bar before us that was uh, called Third Corner, very popular, it was very busy. They decided to move out, and I thought there was a void after they left, and I that's what Lafay is. We we satisfied that void. Well, yeah, they very similar type of um, setup in that people can come to the restaurant and then buy bottles. Mm-hmm. So tell us all about that and how it works. So you know, um, usually when you go to a restaurant, they mark it up three to four times, so it's priced a lot higher than retail. You're being generous. It's usually seven or eight times. Up there, nine people listening. Yeah. <laughs> so what we did is uh, we put we have a room full of bottles of wine. And we market at retail price. And if you take it to go, you could take it at that price. Or if you decide to drink it there, you pay a little bit of a corkage fee. But it's still a lot cheaper than going to a regular restaurant. So you can enjoy a full bottle of wine and take the rest of it home or whatever you like to do with it. And you just expanded. It's been about two years. Uh, we doubled the size. There, w- there was a spot next to us. Uh, we've been fortunate after COVID that we were bu- a lot busier. Uh, we got a full liquor license, so that that kind of boosted business, and we were able to expand and you know make this room where we can close it off. We do a lot of wine events. Um, that's kind of been our bread and butter, doing the wine tastings, and I actually just love to do that. Just having vendors come in, have um, all the local people come in and the customers and try the wine and do a presentation. So, so you mentioned that you just got a liquor license, but you've been open for six years. How do you sell 
wine without a liquor license. No, I'm, I'm talking about hard liquor. Oh, hard liquor. So you yeah. had a wine and beer license. Yeah. yeah, you have to expand it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a process. I mean, and, and it's not cheap, but it, it improves your business. Do you have to still go through the lottery when it comes to the licenses? You don't, Not necessarily. You can go out and buy a license, but you have to pay a lot more money for a license uh, with a broker. Uh, we went through the lottery. We were fortunate. Uh, when we got it, there was about 30 people that signed up for this lottery and about 20 get it. Right now, this year, actually last month, they did the lottery. There was 92 people. They applied and only 20 got it. So things have changed, but it's about $100,000. So that's a good topic to talk about. What's it like opening a restaurant in the desert where it's a seasonal environment? Also, the process of, of getting permits and licenses. What's what's that, what's that like and what's been your experience in the past prior to doing this? It's a huge risk to open a restaurant or a bar. So what gave you the confidence to do that? You know, I've owned another business before. I owned a mortgage company and in 2000, the recession 2008 happened. And so, you know, I understood that sometimes it's out, it's out of your control. But when it comes down to a restaurant, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to, you know, do whatever it takes you can make it happen. And that's the mentality I had from the beginning. So there was nothing that was going to stop me from making this a success a second time. But if it w- if I wouldn't have failed at, at the mortgage company, I probably wouldn't have that mentality. You know? So yeah. I'm glad. So you, you learn by failure. Yep. Absolutely. You do. You learn more from failure than you do from success because you get your head gets a little bit too big and you're not paying attention mm-hmm. to the pitfalls that can happen. Yeah. I, I never got comfortable with a restaurant and you can't get comfortable because you'll be outdated. You'll be, you won't be watching your employees. I mean, a restaurant has got to be, you got to be hands-on at all times if you want it to be good. You, uh, you, your restaurant's been open for six years. How did you end up in the desert? So I grew up in Blythe, California, which is a, a desert over by the Arizona border by the river. And um, a lot of my friends came here to go to junior college and I just did the simple thing and just came along for the ride with my <laughs> friends. <laughs> and uh, I actually really liked it here. I moved to Seattle for a year. I liked it there, but this this felt more like home. This this had a, all the right ingredients for well, for making it a home. Blythe is really hot. That's yeah. like one of the hottest places in the world. It's usually what like ten fifteen degrees hotter than here. It's near Death Valley, so you know. yeah. <laughs> how, how can it be? 10 degrees hotter than here. It was 122 most of the summer. So you're saying Blythe is in the yeah, 130s? It, yeah. It gets a little bit hotter. <laughs> a little bit hotter, but you know, at least we have, they have a river. Let, let's talk about wine and heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there an issue with heat and impacting the quality of wine? Absolutely. Um, you're not supposed to keep um, wine and warm weather. It's supposed to be kept cooler. So, I mean... In that wine room, we always crank up the AC when, when we're not there. So that's, we have to pay a little bit more with the electricity, you know, so that answers your question. It, it, well, part of it, because in, here in the desert, I've noticed there aren't uh, basements or cellars. Mm-hmm. So in the Midwest, you know, a good wine cellar is where you would keep your wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, everything's above ground. So you keep your wine at t- proper temperature with AC. Mm-hmm. Does that change in temperature impact the quality of the wine going from air conditioning to room temperature? So you're supposed to keep, I mean, on fine wines, I would keep them in a cellar, you know, and we keep those at a cooler temperature if you want, I mean, you know, for them to last a long time and age properly. So 
uh, with that, yeah, we have to do better. You know, something that's not that expensive. That's we we just keep it in up on the on the retail shelves. You know, but I don't know if that answers your. <laughs> well, well I, you know, my questions are open ended, so you can answer yeah. them however you want to answer them. <laughs> yeah. but this, this one's a little bit more specific. What's your uh, price range for wines that you sell uh, retail? Um, I have anything from fifteen dollars to. Two hundred and fifty dollars. You know, my, I don't. I think with time, that two hundred and fifty dollars will go up because, you know, we have a lot of nice country clubs around us that, that are that are high end. Um, we just haven't, you know, explored that yet. But I think we will in the future. And but some of the wine tastings we do, we do. We've had a wine that was a hundred points. That was, you know, quite a bit of money. So it just it just depends, you know. What do you mean by point hundred points? So very rarely you get a wine that scores 100 points with wine enthusiasts or James Suckling or whatever those The wine spectator. The, yeah, wine spectator. But uh, we had a black label Turnbull that had scored 100 points, which is very rare. It's, yeah. Turnbull Good. is one of my favorite wines. <laughs> one of my favorite wine reps, Sean. Let me write that. Turnbull? <clears throat> yeah. Turnbull. Yep. From Napa Valley. Yeah, and it's a really cool that that tasting room in Napa just won all kinds of awards for decor and design on how they did it. Because it's not you don't go up to a bar and sit. There's all these couches and really relaxed atmosphere that you go in. The people who work there they have their pets come in, and it's it's really amazing. And they have a private room. It's called the vineyard room, and it opens up to the vineyard. So you're sitting. Kind of looking into the vineyard. Yeah, Yeah, so it's kind of cool. And you can walk out to the vineyard and taste. We'll talk about the environment, your atmosphere at the Fay. What's it look like? How does it feel? Is it casual or is it? It's very casual, but very many times, which is a great compliment because this is exactly what I wanted to achieve. They tell me when they come to La Fay Wine Bar, they feel like they're in San Francisco, they're in L.A. at one of those bars because my place is dim it's got a, a great selection of music and you just feel you know like you're not in the desert and that's exactly what i wanted to achieve yeah well what you did now i'd love because you literally feel like you're sitting in a cooler because the wine is all around you all the bottles of wine i'm i'm gonna go on a limb here bottles of wine on the wall uh i think earthquake protection yeah well <laughs> I got good insurance, so yeah. they're all gonna go down. Yeah. And they- <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, no. this is the desert. Yeah. We're on a fault, you know. Just so I, I'm always concerned about when I walk into a restaurant and I see lots of glass on walls or you know the ceiling. Yeah, you know, that's so a- you're busy a lot, but do you get an opportunity to go to the different wine regions in California and experience some of these? Um, yeah, I do. I actually. Um, I have a business partner, Richard, that, you know, like we share the time there, which is great. And, you know, like that's the best part of having a business partner, having your personal time. Um, But so I I do go out to a lot of these regions. Recently, I started going with uh, Pam and James doing the the interviews with Inside the Bunghole, the podcast. So you have a podcast also. Yeah. Uh, Probably don't have as many listeners as we have. (laughs) Jeff and I have have like 15 or 20 (laughs) listeners. Uh, So, but, uh, so you want to talk about that process? The, it's called Inside the Bunghole. The Bunghole is a hole in the barrel. 
Yeah. Um, Where the spout is, or on the top? Uh, it's on the on the side there. Yeah, that's the bunghole. Okay. How did I get that name? I don't know. Well, maybe James and Pam might know, but I'll get back <laughs> to you on that one. <laughs> so I've you know I've always been intrigued by the the wine bottle, and when I first learned why it has a little dimple in it that, that's called the punt, uh -huh. right? Just to keep the air uh, oh, in there. You know that? You didn't know that? Oh, punt. 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 Like punting like a football. Wow. Um, probably because it's indented like that. But I, I just think the design of bottles today is very, very interesting. And a lot of craftsmanship and artistry goes into mm -hmm. not just the wine itself, but the bottle, the label, the marketing. Mm -hmm. Do you see a lot of variety in that in your shop? Yeah. I mean, the, part of what a lot of a lot of how people purchase wine is based on the on the look of the one of the bottle and, and the design and i understood that when i made my wine i'm like it's got to be a little bit catchy classy mm -hmm. it's got to catch your attention and you know because i see so many bottles and sometimes you see uh bottles that are kind of you just you have to look at it to see what it really is so it kind of draws you in with uh with, with the design of the bottles it just kind of depends on the uh, varietal so, so you you said you have your own wine you make your own wine yeah it's here called, here it's, or it's called Masvino uh, wines so right now I'm making three wines uh, a Chardonnay from Sonoma a, a blend from Lodi and a cab from Paso Robles um, I linked up with a uh, master sommelier named Chris Miller that owns his own wines he's a winemaker in uh, in Monterey County and um, we started making and blending our, our wines to come up with, the, with what I wanted, you know, and um, we sourced grapes from those three regions, but we're planning on making five varietals now, so we're kind of looking to see what, what, what's coming next. But, and I also have a distribution license, which means I can sell and distribute to anywhere here in the Coachella Valley, which is, that was my main goal. And I actually modeled this business to be by the glass um, in, a, in a restaurant, meaning um, at that price where they can purchase it and put it on their list by the glass, which is where the volume is, which is where I want it to be. The volume is by the glass, not by the bottle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think about um, wine in boxes or now wine in cans? Well, you know, I've had horrible ones and I had pretty, pretty good ones, so I, I don't judge book by its cover anymore <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a good comment I, I have you know you think about there are people that'll drink one or two glasses of wine a day and you, you know it doesn't really stay fresh in your bottle but when you buy it in the box um it tends to stay a little bit longer because yeah. of the air in it uh, I, I, my guess is that that uh, shift in in processing the wine has changed quite a bit over the years to convince people to buy it in a box, but it's been around for a long time in a box. Mm -hmm. um, not in my Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill days, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to get to this too. Okay. But yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about your wine. So are you a, a chemist? You How do you determine what what you like and how you blend and how you mix? No, so that's that's Chris. He's doing all that. We, uh, we just uh, pick the varietals and where we want it to come from and, and what we want it to taste like. And so he comes up with all that. And then when he's ready, almost ready, we meet with him and, and we we blend with them to make sure, like sometimes we got to soften it up with a yeah. little Merlot if we got a cab or, you know, sometimes 
we got to age it a little bit in, in certain barrels to, to take the edge off or, you know, like the Chardonnay, we, it was, we put it in all neutral oak, which we could have put in in stainless steel to give it a lot more minerality and acidity, uh, more just minerality, but we decided to go with a, um, a neutral oak, which gives it a little creaminess texture because the wine coming from uh, Panaluma Gap in Sonoma had already the acidity and the minerality. So that's kind of, there's a, it, it gets really complicated once you, you get more into it, but. It, that's why you really have to understand the viticulture and the terroir, terroir meaning the different soils and different regions to get the blend that you want. Yeah. Well, that's why I asked if you were a chemist because you really have to know each of the components in the, the variables that go into making a good wine. I'm no expert by any means, but I got a good expert on my side. And, <laughs> you know, I kind of took the back door on this business. A lot of times, all these people in the business have a lot of money, so they just buy their way into this business, and I kind of got introduced to it, and, um, and, you know, I didn't put millions of dollars into it, so I'm planning on growing little by little, and that's just here in the Coachella Valley at first. And we'll So how many bottles... Or cases are you planning to bottle? In my first run, I did 600 cases. And, wow. you know... Um, That's uh, a lot. And, but I'm planning on doing a lot more in my second run because, obviously, the more you make, the, the price goes down per bottle. And that's that's what I'm trying to achieve on the next one. Um, but I'm doing all sorts of events, um, putting myself out there. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to that I have a wine bar where I could expose it to people or I can uh, go do a lot of events where people don't know me to put my face out there. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking now and um, seems to be working so far. I've only had it for three months and it's it's moving. Yeah. <laughs> so that's speaking great. of events. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Jeff, I noticed you brought in a flyer today. I'm right on the back side of it. You want to talk about yeah, no the worry. Food and Wine Festival? So the Fate Wine Bar is going to be a part of the event. Um, Lisa Wary is um, my co-producer for the event who we've had on the show yeah. before. Um, we brought in a who's who of different celebrity chefs this year. Uh, Martin Yan from Yan Can Cook, he's done like 6,000 shows on PBS. Um, Susan Feniger, who is most well known for her border girl restaurants in LA and Las Vegas. And her and her business partner were on this show on the Food Network called The Two Hot Tamales for years. And she's opening a new restaurant here in Palm Springs really? called Alice B's for Alice B Toklas um, in a complex called The Living Out in, in the heart of Palm Springs. Uh, Tanya Holland, who was known for Brown Sugar Kitchen. I don't know if you've ever, you ever went there, no. but it was really super well known in Oakland and there would be lines around the block to get in. And Andrew Warner, who is the corporate chef for Tommy Bahamas, they're taking over the Miramonte over in Indian Wells and it's becoming the first Tommy Bahamas hotel. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot of great partners. If people want to buy tickets, they can go to palmspringsfoodandwine.org. But LaFay's going to be there, and you're going to, are you going to pour some of the wine that you made? So I'm going to be there. Uh, we're going to do a live podcast with Inside the Bunghole. Um, right. And I think you're going to be there with us, right, for a bit. Um, Jeff's really good on the podcast. He's got some good experience. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be running around, so you grab me. And um, I'm going to do my wines uh, for certain people only. Not, I'm not going to just uh, have it out there for anyone, but it's it's going to be for certain people that, in, that are locals here in the community. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be having for everyone um, 
my empanadas, um, which we have a new empanada that we made recently that seems to be a hit, a mushroom potato empanada. Oh, and perfect. Then, yeah. Vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do that for this. Uh, I, I grew up on empanadas. I had some friends that I grew up with who were from Peru. Mm -hmm. And that they, uh, empanada gajega, they do like big meat pies and stuff. And it was just, they're delicious. And mm -hmm. yours are fantastic. I've had it at a couple different events. Well, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for serving wine to special people next week at uh, the Food and Wine Festival. Jeff, do you want to talk anything about the festival? I noticed here that Benefiting Fellows Program of the Culinary Institute of America, La Dame de Escoffier, and uh, Desert Aids Project. Yeah, um, I just got back from New York. I was up at the Culinary Institute in Hyde Park, New York. And uh, I've actually taken classes at the Greystone campus up in uh, St. Helena. And I'll tell you, it's the premier culinary college in the United States, but they're really setting the stage for around the world. They just opened one in Singapore. Um, and it, it's so gratifying to go into these buildings and see all these young chefs. And a lot of them now are women, which there's so few executive chefs that are women um, that are so inspired and that they, they want to learn and they're just pulling in all this information. and. Let me tell you, that campus is so beautiful. It's right on the Hudson River, and it's about two miles from where the um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, Presidential Library is. So it's a beautiful area of upstate New York. Great trip. Learned a lot. It inspired me even more to work harder. You know, I'm like you, uh, Herman. You know, I started my own business 17 years ago, and I knew going into it that you had to work hard. Mm -hmm. You had to be dedicated and you have to be willing to go the extra mile. And that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to build relationships for Alan so that he can really go out into the community and help more people and organizations. Mm -hmm. I, I experienced that today as I went to the uh, Association of uh, Fundraising Professionals luncheon and Stephanie, who we interviewed last week, was being recognized and awarded for her work in the fundraising world. Uh, any final comments you want to share? Um, you know, um, I just want to comment. We, La Fe, we, we're involved in all sorts of fundraisers. We do a lot with the community. And I actually really like that. So if you guys ever need me for absolutely, anything like absolutely. that. Absolutely. Quick, I mean, quick question, La Fe. Um, how did you come up with the name? Um, <laughs> that, one, that one just kind of fell on that. But it was kind of destiny because... We opened, um, we bought the place and it was called Lafay, which had, they had not yet opened. And yeah. so we wanted to open as soon as, <laughs> so they were, they changed their name trying to rebrand and then they were open. So we said, hey, you know what? It's going to take a long time to change the name and the sign and this and that. Let's just go with Lafay. It, it means like the faith. It's a great name. It means the faith. The, oh, it does? Yeah. I thought it meant, meant the iron, but yeah. Uh, yeah. isn't F-E iron? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> In Spanish, is la, la fe means the faith. Yeah, yeah, that's great to know. What is your website? How can people get a hold of you? Um, it's uh, lafewinebar.com is our website. Um, I'm working on the new one for Masvino Wines, but um, so you guys can reach us there. We do. We have a calendar with all the events, um, so you could go on there and check it out. Every week you have wine tasting, so it's a great place to hang out and. What day? What day do you do wine tasting? We either do them on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Uh, just kind of depends on the vendor if they're available on certain days. But 
you'll see that they're a lot of fun. If I want you to come to one place. Um, we do a presentation for every wine. We give them a charcuterie board. We pour heavily. Well, I should say heavily. <laughs> we, pour, we pour enough for you to have yeah, fun. Fun, yeah. <laughs> you pay responsibly. You, you play. You um, pour graciously. We, we just want to make sure you're going to be good after. Well, we would walk there, so that's easy. <laughs> uh, well, Herman, it's fantastic having you on the show. Um, great success for you Thank and you. your business partner. This has been Getting to Know You. Thank you for listening. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts and other podcast forums. Thank you very much, Jeff, and thank you, Herman. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it.